Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 226. I'm back from my Royal Caribbean cruise on Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas, and this week we're going to be talking all about my experience on Independence of the Seas, including what I did on board, what we did on shore, and my thoughts in general about my cruise on Independence of the Seas. Here we go. Over Thanksgiving, I took a cruise on Independence of the Seas. It was a four-night Western Caribbean getaway, and on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about my experiences on Independence of the Seas. In fact, this is my first time on Independence, not my first time on a Freedom-class ship. Many of you know from past episodes, I've been on Freedom of the Seas quite a number of times, so I'm very familiar with the Freedom-class, but I've never actually ventured onto Independence. And we picked this sailing primarily because of its proximity over Thanksgiving. The days off required were none. It went, it left on Thanksgiving Day, came back on that Monday morning. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we got an opportunity to sail on Independence of the Seas, and it was great because obviously it gave us an opportunity to sail on Thanksgiving and also check out a new ship. Now, we had two connecting balcony staterooms, so these were your standard ocean view balcony rooms, and it was great, very good. We've stayed in these kind of rooms before, so no real surprises there. It was nice to be able to have the connecting balcony, but most importantly, the reason why I booked two rooms for our family, because I do have two children who are six and two, is primarily because it gives them an opportunity, a place to sleep. They sleep in their own room. We can literally close the door, and that's great for me and my wife because that means we can stay up a little bit later, read, watch TV, talk, you know, kind of enjoy a drink, whatever it is we want to do, but we don't have to play the quiet game. And having stayed actually the last couple of cruises, when we were on Harmony of the Seas, we were in a suite, and then back in Anthem of the Seas in uh, earlier this year, we were in a suite as well, and we shared a room. While I do love the suites, don't get me wrong, having that separation really made a big difference because my kids are light sleepers, especially my youngest one. You know, if there's noise, if there's a lot of light, it can really wake them up. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, maybe I'll, I like when I do my live blogs. At RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, I will take my laptop and step out and go somewhere to write them uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I find the internet to be a little bit better in public spaces, but also more importantly, uh, I like to be a little more social and being able to hang out and you know enjoy. My favorite thing to do is take my laptop to the pub and listen to the live music that's being played there, oftentimes, and write my blog there, and then you know maybe enjoy a drink and then come on back. But when they were in the same room as us. My kids, that is, that causes a problem with potentially me waking them up, you know, between the door opening, closing the lights from the, from the hallway, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it, having two rooms was really nice. We liked that quite a bit, and the separation was the best part of it. So from that standpoint, I mean, I can't go right now. Of course, I say all this in our next cruise that we're going on in Rhapsody this season. March is we're in a suite again, and that'll be back to one room. Alas... The sacrifices you make for a suite, but in all in all honesty, I would definitely prefer two rooms over one room, all things considered. But it was we had a great time with the room. State attendant was uh, one of those state attendants. It was fine. Uh, we didn't actually see him on the first day, and the only issue with that was the we didn't get the balcony divider opened up until later on. When you have two connecting staterooms, you can on select ships you can open the balcony divider, and Freedom Class ships you can do that. It wasn't a big deal for first day, and by the morning of day two. Uh, he had already opened it up there, so we were good on that point. So no real issues otherwise. You know, in terms of what we did on board the ship, we actually ate in the main dining room every single night of our cruise. That was a very uh, you know good experience. We hadn't eaten at the main dining room when we were on Harmony of the Seas because there's so much great, uh, especially dining on there. But being on it back on Independence. We, we went there. It was interesting, our experience overall, because first of all, they're still using the, I guess I call it the old main dining room menu. Uh, Royal Caribbean this year has been implementing a new menu in the main dining room, and we've seen that on Harmony of the Seas and Anthem of the Seas, where they've updated the selection, because the the 
old menu had been in place for many years, in fact, probably, you know, four or five years at least. So they wanted to refresh it. And, you know, going back to the old menu, and I use the word old again in quotes, it was kind of interesting to see that in play. And being on a four-night cruise, the we only have one formal night on a four-night cruise, which is night number two. And on night number two, we had the, the menu for what would have been formal night number two on a seven-night cruise, if that makes any sense. Then night three, we had... The It was not a formal night, but we had the formal night menu from formal night number one on a seven-night cruise. Day three was then the – was a Italian night uh, menu. So it had like the lasagna on there and whatnot. And uh, that was kind of interesting. It was just, you know, it was more of an observational thing. As a cruise geek, I kind of picked up on that. But otherwise, I'm not sure anyone really noticed. Night one, we, of course, was Thanksgiving Day. And they had a Thanksgiving menu on there. So the menu was a – when we did Brilliance of the Seas a couple of years ago, they had the regular menu and then they had a little side menu for Thanksgiving. In this situation, this year in 2017, they had a special menu written up for Thanksgiving that basically took parts of the existing menu and then also added on Thanksgiving items. They had turkey. They had a pumpkin ravioli. They had pumpkin pie. Uh, in the name of research, I had to try it all. The The turkey itself was great. Uh, very moist, in fact, and really well. I, I enjoyed it. I could have eaten a couple more servings of that. If I had to be picky, I would say there was not nearly enough stuffing. I don't know, quite frankly, if there is ever enough stuffing. As many, if you if you're a big Thanksgiving food fan, you probably load up on stuffing. It's like the best part of Thanksgiving, right? Anyway, there was only like you know one serving of it. Granted, I could have probably just asked for more stuffing. I'm, it wouldn't have been an issue at all. Uh, but that was fine. That was good. In fact, the pumpkin ravioli I tried, that was good, although I quite frankly couldn't taste any pumpkin. It just tasted like ravioli to me. Not a big deal. Also, we they they had a, a butternut squash soup, which was very good. And my wife and I were debating the virtues of the soup versus the butternut squash soup that's available regularly at 150 Central Park. I preferred the 150 Central Park version because it was thicker, but my wife preferred the consistency of the one offered in the main dining room, so to each their own. The other the one thing that was actually bad was the pumpkin pie. First of all, it wasn't orange. It didn't look like pumpkin pie, so I don't know how that kind of gets screwed up. And then the taste was just – it was not very good. I told the waiter. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's okay because when one of the nice things about being on a cruise is like, you know what? Let me have the ice cream instead. Let me have something else instead. So no big deal. No harm, no foul. Just, again, in the name of research, I had to try that out. Speaking of the service and whatnot, the it was interesting. The first night of the of when we sat down in the dining room, we had our, – our assistant waiter warned us that it was night one. And as a result, the galley was evidently having some issues – kind of keeping up was I think how he described it. Now, I've heard about this in the past where night one is always a crazy day because you've got a lot of different things going on, the whole the whole process of embarkation and disembarkation and kind of getting loaded up and guess not knowing really where they're going. The first night in the main dining room should never be your way that you judge the dining room. I, and, I, and I agree with that 100%. I told the, and when he told me that, no problem at all. And certainly our first night, it took much longer than any other night that we were in the dining room. So, it was it was what it is. I really didn't mind at all. I kind of understood it. Well, there was a couple of observations though that were interesting from the dining experience in general. Number one, our assistant waiter seemed to be more the dominant waiter than the waiter. It was kind of weird. I've never experienced it. Usually, the assistant waiter is kind of you know obviously brings you your drinks, your bread, uh, maybe even brings you some food from occasionally, clears the table. But your waiter is who is really you're dealing with most of the time, especially for requests. But in this case, our waiter was kind of quiet and didn't really serve the role that the assistant waiter ended up doing. It was kind of, I don't know, which is maybe that might have been the dynamic that they have because, of course, the waiter and the assistant waiter work as a team. They're not working independently of each other. This isn't like being at, 
I don't know, Chili's or, or some restaurant where, you know, the waiter's really just whoever happens to be picking it up and there's not really a correlation between the two. But in this case, the waiter and assistant waiter very much do work together. So uh, it was just interesting to see a different dynamic. And I, I again, I think that has to do with how they work and how that worked out itself. So, you know, it is what it is. There was also one other issue with the food. And again, this is minor things, but, you know, in the grand scheme of reporting on what's of interest to you guys, I think that bringing up some of these ideas is, is an important topic. One was on the last night of the cruise there, it was Italian night. And I love Italian night. They have lasagna, they have eggplant parmesan, one of my favorites. And the eggplant parmesan came to our table. And I noticed, first of all, something was wrong because the cheese on top, the Parmesan cheese was not melted. It was like raw. Like, you know, when you take cheese, shredded cheese out of a bag out of your refrigerator, that's what it was kind of served as. And I kind of looked at it. I, I, I think I, went down and got a bite and I just told the waiter I said this is just this is awful and the and the people next to me at the table next to me overheard that and said yes ours is also really bad which is just weird it's just because I've had that eggplant parm in the main dining room so many times but first of all number one here's the lesson number one tell someone about it and I told my assistant waiter and he you know I said look here's this is not very good. Uh, you know, I'm not going to eat this. And of course, the assistant waiter was, you know, very apologetic and also offered us to give us something else. You know, if there's anything else we wanted to get, and and you know, that, that you know, and that's fine. But just understand that if you order something, you don't like it either because it's not prepared correctly, or maybe you just don't like it. Maybe you try. I want to try this as my appetite. This particular soup, and oh, I don't really. You know, I, evidently, I don't like that soup. You can always get something else. Uh, there was another night where I had ordered something. I forget which entree it was, and I didn't love it, and I was still kind of hungry. So I said, hey, I saw there was the, what on the classic menu, there was the linguine pomodoro that was always available. I was like, can I just get that as, an, as another option? And bam, that thing came out really, really quick. So never hesitate to point things out there if you need anything. One of the, I also employed my time uh, honored tradition of ordering Indian curry every night on my cruise. Uh, the first night I talked to the head waiter, had it, then it was ready for the rest of the time there. So all good. Uh, and, and that was, you know, one of my favorite things to do on a cruise, which is just eat. And enjoy the great food on there. Uh, we also, I had the drink package on this cruise. My wife did not, neither did my children. And it was fine. I think I came to the, I've I come, I probably changed my mind about eight times in the history of this podcast about my thoughts on the drink package, the element alcohol package. And my new conclusion, subject to change, is that going forward, if it's not a Royal Green Blog group cruise, which you can find more information about at royalcreenblog.com slash events. If it's not a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, I think I'm going to skip getting a drink package because it's just I just never take full advantage of it. And being a Diamond member, that it, it makes it so much easier to get drinks in. Uh, but you know, with the drink package, it's it's just not necessary. So I think if you're a Diamond member, as an especially on port days, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And with my kids, you know, or, you know, one of the things that, as a parent is you can't you're not sitting around the pool drinking a lot. I've got young children. So we're constantly engaged in different activities. So the actual opportunities for me to drink and uh you know be able to enjoy it rather than just me grabbing a drink and watching them, which is really hard to do and kind of ruins the vibe. When I, you know, it's it's hard to bring drinks into the uh into the toddler play area and just not get other weird looks from it. But um you know, it was really the evenings. And in the evenings, you know, with the diamond drink hours and access to the Diamond Lounge and being able to bring wine on board, I just found that, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion it's not really necessary. And also, when you're in port days, and we love going off the ship on port days, you know, you can really get great value out of drinking on shore. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The 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 X factor that still remains, and which I can't argue against, is the fact that the nice advantage of buying a drink package before your cruise is you can then prepay your drinks, you know, and there's no 
There's no onboard charges. I always hate that monster bill at the end of the cruise. I've said this many, many times. It's all true. Uh, you know, I, I did really strongly dislike getting a large bill at the end. I'd rather prepay it in advance because that way that allows me to to break up the total cost of the cruise. And one month I buy the drink package, the next month I prepay the gratuities, another month I may, you know, buy a short excursion. But that way I'm not running up my bill at the end of the cruise, and then that gives a monster bill that I gotta pay off on the next billing cycle, right? In addition to all the other travel charges that you incur typically with a cruise. And the drink package, hey, for for lack for for better or worse addresses that exact issue there and I, that I did enjoy. But, you know, looking forward to my next cruise which is a non-group cruise, I really do believe at least at this time, I mean, again, subject to change, but I do believe I'm not going to get the drink package because I think it can work. It's I, I told my wife it was like, you know, when you have the drink package it's like, do I really want another drink? And if you don't have the drink package and you're thinking to yourself, do I really need another drink? You know, because it's like when you don't have the drink package, you're being cheap. And when you do have the drink package, then you just think you're being gluttonous, right? It's like, oh, do I really need another drink anymore? It's, it, but you're asking yourself this exact same question. Oh, uh, it's, a, there's a psychology analyzation there somewhere. I, I'm sure of it. Uh, so all the things we did on board the ship, Independence Disease has a lot of great features. Of course, as many of you know, Independence is getting a refurbishment in April 2018. So, a lot of the things that were on, that are on there now may not be on there going forward. In fact, they're going to be adding a whole lot more features. So if you're listening to this episode before, after April 2018, thank you for listening. But uh, a lot of the experiences I had may not still be the case. The ship looks great. We really took advantage of the pool area, the H2O zone, which is going to be changed out to something else a little bit later. But, you know... It was, uh, we had a great time. The kids enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, their favorite thing to do was just go to the pool. They just wanted to get up in the morning, eat, and go to the pool, and then that was like their favorite thing to do. I will say that one thing that we, we employed was going to the pool on embarkation day. This was a change. We've never done it before, but we wanted to do this because usually embarkation day is my kids get antsy after a little while being on board. They want to do something fun, and exploring the ship is not fun to them. They want to go do something that they perceive as fun. So we got on board the ship. We ate the Windjamer, and then we got... Uh, then we we got changed and we're able to go uh, swimming and we spent a couple hours there leading up to mustard drill. Basically, once the staterooms were ready, we were able to uh, then go there, shower, change, and and proceed. In fact, the only dis the only negative I would say about the, doing the the swimming was that it drained their energies to such a point that later that evening. Uh, both kids ended up wanting just to take just to go to sleep, whether they were at Adventure Ocean or the nursery. It was kind of interesting. That's like, well, I guess in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather have them be tired than being crying, you know, because they're bored or whatever the case may be. As we've learned, naps during on embarkation day afternoon just don't happen. There's just there's too much going on. They're they're you know they're, they're overstimulated, and as a result, it just you know never occurs despite our best efforts. Uh, to the contrary, uh, but you know we I think we found that looking at it. Going to the pool on embarkation day really was a good idea, I think. Despite you know them being a little tired afterwards, eh, you know that, that's part of being on vacation. But I think they had a really good time with all that. You know, we uh, took advantage of some of the other options. Uh, the shows on board were really quite nice. We saw the the ice skating show, which, as I described in a live blog, was a salute to public domain music. <laughs> it's called Strings, so it was a lot of classical music there. And of course, the joke being that you know, all the songs that they're, I think almost all the songs they used there were probably songs in the public domain, which cost them no no money to spend on it. It was a nice show. You know, I'm not sure it's my favorite ice skating show I've ever seen on a Royal Caribbean ship, but it was still very good. And the performances were really good. We were able to get seats for it. One interesting nuance, and this may not be the case on every Independence of the Sea sailing was they did offer tickets to the show on the day. So earlier in the day, you had to go get tickets, although I didn't get any because I forgot about it. 
Um, but they were offering tickets. It was, but we were able to show up there a little before, and then it was on a uh, you know first come first serve basis. But uh, what was interesting, we were able to get a seat. You know, I think we were second, first or second row on the side, which was which was fine. No problems there at all. So good to know. Uh, Grease, the Broadway musical, was shown on there. My wife went to go see it. I the timing of it was weird. One of the interesting nuances of a four night cruise is while you still have a lot of the entertainment you find on a seven night cruise in terms of these shows being offered, the difference is you have a lot less opportunity. On a seven night cruise, they would have shown Grease at least on multiple nights. On our sailing, they only showed it on one day. So there was an early show and a late show. So as a result, my wife being the Broadway fan, she went to go see it, and I had to take the kids up to. Uh, eat dinner in the Windjamere and then take them up to the Adventure Ocean because it was there was overlap. We wouldn't have been able to do both, and she would have had to miss the show. So uh, she said it was really good. It was she, her take on it was interesting to see the difference between that and Harmony. The stage size is, is the primary change, but I thought it was still a very good show, and she enjoyed that quite a bit. There was also a comedian which she did not see, and there was also on the last night they had a a original Royal Caribbean production that we had seen on a number of ships. We've seen it on Freedom of the Seas. I think we saw it on Brilliance of the Seas, too. And it's a, a musical medley. Um, we just ended up hanging out at the Diamond Lounge, which was actually kind of new to us. We were never really big Diamond Lounge fans, like in the sense of we enjoyed the perks of it. We just never spent a lot of time up there. But this cruise we did, primarily because my wife did not have the drink package. And although we could have gotten three drinks somewhere else on board the ship, being in the Diamond Lounge was a whole lot easier. And this level of service was great. The uh, big shout out to Paul, who was the bartender in the Diamond Lounge. He served us really, really well. Uh, I like the spread of food in the Diamond Lounge on this ship. They had sushi, which was really good. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Hey, free sushi. Matt is all about free sushi. I will take any free sushi I can get. And they had, you know, it wasn't anything special. You know, it was just tuna rolls and some shrimp here and crab there. But you know what? The price was right. And if I can get some, some sushi to start my night off along with... You know, a couple of drinks. Hey, that works. That works out quite well. So I was quite happy with that. And we actually, the Diamond Lounge is massive on Independence of the Seas because they take over basically the entire Viking Crown Lounge. Um, if you come out of the elevators in the Viking Crown Lounge on deck fourteen, usually the Diamond Lounge is to your left behind the main bar over there. It's a small little area, but in this case, it's not only to the left, but they also have a huge. The entire right side is taken over by the Diamond Lounge, and that may change with the refurbishment in April 2018. But, I mean, that much space, it was never that crowded, which was great because we kind of felt like, okay, we could go sit in our quarter and, you know, be able to talk and people watch a little bit. But it was never overwhelming. So I did enjoy that that aspect quite a bit uh, in there. Uh, we didn't do any specialty dining on board Independence. I know this may come as a shock to many of you. Why Matt didn't do specialty dining? We actually tried to do Giovanni's Table on the last day for lunch, and we had all attention. In fact, we sat down at the restaurant to do it. But unfortunately, my kids kind of hit the wall in terms of being overtired, and it just wasn't going to work out. And, you know, I told my wife, look, this is not, you know, we, we tried. Uh, we got as far as the bread coming out, and then, you know, they were just not co- cooperating. And I frankly didn't want to impact other people's dinner. This is like being at home. If we're at home, my kids are being awful. You know what? You're going to suck it up, and you're going to eat your dinner, and I don't care, and you can cry and scream. It doesn't matter because it's only bothering me. But when there's other people involved, you really can't do that, right? And I I feel awful to have my kids uh, creating a scene and, quite frankly, ruining other people's experiences. So we just took the kids out of there, and you know, we we grabbed some hot dogs from the Winchamere and brought them back to the room so that they could, you know, properly – uh, understand the proper procedures of you know of, of how to behave in public and the nuances of that but 
It's okay. I mean, there were really only three specialty restaurants on board. Johnny Rockets, Chops Grill, and Giovanni's Table. Uh, you know, I've been to Johnny Rockets a thousand times. Not too worried about missing out on that. Chops Grill I would have liked to have done, but, eh, you know, we've, we've done Chops a lot in the last – over this year. Giovanni's would have been nice to do because we've only been at Jamie's really uh, this entire year. We did Jamie's on an Anthem and on Harmony, so we really haven't, have not had an opportunity to eat at Giovanni's since we ate there on Navigator of the Seas. So we wanted, you know, to try to change it up a little bit, but – Alas, didn't didn't work out, but that's okay. I mean, we'll be able to knock out Giovanni's table on Rhapsody this season when we go on that. Our one port stop was in Cozumel, Mexico. We've been to Cozumel a thousand times, it feels like. And I love Cozumel. I really do. We had perfect weather again. This was actually really nice because we went to Cozumel the last two times in, on our cruises. And it, they were both over the summer. And it was so hot and so humid. I just really couldn't enjoy it all that much. But this time... The weather was great. It was sunny. The highs were probably in the high 70s, low 80s, maybe no humidity or very low humidity. So it was actually a pleasure to be outside. And for this time, we tried something completely different. Usually, we leave the kids on board the ship because by Cozumel, you know, we've done a couple port stops. It's fine. They just, but you, they usually enjoy going to Adventure Ocean and kind of hanging out there. And we like an opportunity for me and my wife to kind of do things on our own and just enjoy some time, uh, you know, touring the way without children impeding it. Nonetheless, this is our only port stop. So we wanted to take the kids off the ship. Actually, believe it or not, my oldest daughter, this is her first time in Cozumel, like getting off the ship, which was really, we, we thought about it for a really long time. We're like, yeah, she's never actually been off the ship in Cozumel, which just blows my mind. But anyway, uh, we decided to try something different, which was Nachi Cocom, an all-inclusive resort uh, that's available. In fact, it's a very popular option among cruisers. I've heard about Nachi Cocom for many, many years. People swear by this place being amazing. What makes it amazing primarily is, first of all, it's all-inclusive. Second of all, they limit the amount of guests that allegedly are allowed to go there. What that means is, you know, usually go to a place like Paradise Beach or any of these other beaches in Cozumel that are well-known, basically, they're going to take as many people, whoever shows up there can go there. I mean, it's really just a limit of, I don't know if there is any limit, quite honestly, in terms of how many people can go there. They just, you know, it can get very crowded, especially during busy port days. Nachi, however, supposedly limits the amount of people that go there. So whether there's, you know, 10 ships in ports or two ships in port, it shouldn't matter. They're only going to allow a certain amount of people. I believe the number's around 100 or so. So that was kind of nice. And also it had, uh, you know, it had a pool and the ocean, which is always good because my kids never know how to, how, which they're going to want to go in. And for this time, we went to the pool. And when you arrive at Nachikokum, they assign you a waiter and you get to pick your spot. So, you know, whatever's available to you. We, I think the waiter was bringing us to the beach. We were like, actually, the kids really want to go in the pool. Can we just sit by the pool? And that was our spot for the whole day. And there was a, it was a very large pool with a swim up bar, which by the way, my six year old daughter loved the swim up bar. In fact, out of context quote of the day was, Mom, I want to go to, I need to go to the bar to get another drink. <laughs> of course, she's getting, she's getting Shirley Temples, right? Because I told her she gets many Shirley Temples she wanted, which I, I, I think that, that was like, you know, what? Usually, you know, her getting a drink, let alone Shirley Temples, is always like, well, do I really want to pay for it? No, sorry, dear, that costs too much money. But the fact that she, I, she probably drank her weight in Shirley Temples that time, but she just wanted to go over there. There's also a hot tub at, at in, in there, although my wife <laughs> noted that the hot tub was a relative term. Like, the pool was freezing, but the hot tub was slightly warmer. <laughs> so depending on your perspective, if you went in the pool and went on the hot tub, then it was actually a hot tub. But alas, it was fine. The beach was really nice as well. A lot of different spaces. You all, you there's a usually you get assigned a palapa with uh, you know some lounge chairs. Level of service was great. Uh, you know we never had any issues getting food or drink. You can start getting food around ten thirty in the morning, 
And we started off with naturally guacamole. Uh, you know, and, uh, as a connoisseur of Mexican food and being in Cosmo a number of times, it was definitely good food. I'm not sure it was as good as the food some of the restaurants I've had in downtown Cozumel, but certainly better than anything in the United States. I could tell the guacamole was at least freshly made. It wasn't cold. That's always the telltale sign of not fresh guacamole. If your guacamole is cold, that means it's been refrigerated. And no, it's not my not my style. It's already a big negative. But this was not this was not refrigerated. Very much uh, created then then and there. And the food was pretty good. We enjoyed it. My kids ate their food, which as a parent is a major win. That makes it awesome. And they just uh, what did we do? We spent all day just swimming in the pool that's all they wanted to do was swim there there is wi-fi which if you're in the pool area is great because the the wi-fi extends there uh right around this so we had coverage the entire day which was nice but you know the kids just swam the whole time my oldest daughter wanted to go with me we went to go do uh there were some hammocks towards the back of nachi she wanted to go hang out there for a little bit until she realized that no one was going to push her and then she was not interested in that anymore but that was kind of fun my wife did do a massage that's available in nachi uh you know it was like i think $40 before tip and it was uh, she said it was very good they did a good job with it she enjoyed it so there you go pretty good all in all it was a very good day I will tell you that again going back to my uh, discussion of the drink package earlier was you know looking at it you know on a day like that my wife and kids made out like bandits because they didn't have drink packages on board the ship so going to Nachi it was a great value for them but for me it was a terrible value because I'm overpaying. I already have a drink package, right? So let's assume the drink. I think the drink package was. Well, I bought it with the combination of the Voom. But let's just say, for argument's sake, it was forty-five dollars a day, right? Or even it doesn't really matter how much it is, whether it's forty-five or fifty-five. But the point is that I already paid for that, and so now I'm paying fifty-five dollars for me to, to go to Nachi. So you know, you're there's no way there's a value proposition for me. I would have been from a pure value proposition. I should have stayed on board the ship and drank there because I hang up. What did I do? I hung up by the pool and I drank and I watched my kids. I could do that on the ship and do the same thing. Great, it's not the same experience necessarily, and it's not quite the same level of service. But you know, one of the things if you don't have the drink package, an all inclusive resort like Nacho or any of these all inclusive resorts available in many of these ports you're visiting are a terrific option because it provides you with that kind of, you know, the the way to indulge a little bit for a far better value. So, you know, if you don't have a drink package, these places are great. If you do have an, a Royal Caribbean drink package, it's harder to justify, I think, the pricing just because it from a pure value. Now, that being said, forgetting the value for a second, it was just wonderful. I had a lot of fun. I love my three things I look for in any beach I go to is I want to have shade, I want to have a pool and I want to have good service so that I, can, I don't have to get up all the time to get my drink. So, I, you know, garçon, senor, can I have another whatever? No problem at all. And, and that's what I look for. And that's exactly what Nachi provided to you. I mean, if you're looking for like, you know, inflatables to jump on and jet skiing and all these other things, you know, you should look somewhere. Else. Not, not There was a third party service at Nachi that did offer jet skis and parasailing and a couple other things. In fact, I tried to get my oldest to do parasailing, but she just wouldn't do it. Um, but they're through third parties, technically not through Nachi, but you know it's pretty low sales pressure. They came around once, and you could have easily flagged them down if you had any issue, if you wanted to change your mind about it. But I think that a lot of other places like Paradise Beach and Mr. Sancho's, which are other popular options in Cozumel that for people who are looking for things, you know, beach days, those offer those kind of services inherently, uh, whereas Nachi does not. But Nachi was a very relaxing day. It's great for that. If your idea of fun is sitting by the pool or sitting by the beach, more importantly enjoying a drink, going in the water, splashing around, getting another drink, eating a little bit, drinking some more. Boy, is it a great way to do that. Yeah, so 
that worked, really worked itself out uh, quite nicely. In terms of other things on the cruise, uh, we did do self-disembarkation, which means we took our luggage off. I had wanted to get – we needed to get back home, and we live in uh, the Orlando area. And, we, of course, our cruise left from Port Everglades, which is in Fort Lauderdale. I think we thought we could get there a whole lot faster, but it ended up being not the case. Um, what I mean by that is we, you know, we got up at 6 a.m. We, I got food, we got all packed up to go, and we walked off the ship. We got in line to walk off the ship a little after seven, and we actually, you know, there was a bit of a line, but it moved pretty quickly. We were probably in our car by 7:45 a.m., but we didn't get home until about 11 a.m. Now, granted, I'm lucky because my job allows me to work remotely, so I, you know, I just made up the time later on. And my and my daughter, my oldest daughter, still made it to school. Obviously, as a tardy, but she still made it there. You know, it just wasn't quite as this would have worked out a whole lot better in a port closer to our home, like in Tampa or Port Canaveral, but not so much from Port Everglades. And I think if we ever do another cruise from Port Everglades, and we're going to, and I need to work the next day, we either have to stop somewhere for the day, or I don't know. It, it was just it's just a lot because not only did we get home at eleven. But then we were super tired. We woke up at 6 a.m. You know, I'm, I'm not used to getting up at 6 a.m. and dealing with all that stuff. So I was su- I was just drinking coffee all day, and it was just miserable. And so it just it wasn't a fun experience. But again, if I had if we had been cruising out of a different port, and I was a lot closer, that might have been different because then I could have slept in a little bit more, or I could have gotten back home and then taken a you know a quick nap before work started. I don't know. But um, I, I self disembarkation itself is very easy to do. Assuming you can, you know, manage the luggage situation, but um, you know, you have to also consider realistically if waking up at six a.m. and then wanting to do be functional for the rest of the day is a really good idea. That is kind of where the the crux of the uh, debate, I think, is more about rather than you know, on paper, weeks away before your cruise, it makes a whole lot of sense. But when you're waking up at six a.m. and you're like, oh, God, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> it's a whole different story. But overall, we had a great time. It served exactly – this cruise was exactly what I wanted it to be, a great Thanksgiving cruise escape. I used zero vacation days, which was awesome. It also was – you know what? I really do like four-night cruises. What was nice about 4 Nights Tell My Wife was, you know, it actually felt like a longer cruise. Like I've done – you know, some of the media cruises I've done have been two-nighters, and we did a three-nighter. Uh, you know, I did a three-nighter on Harmony this season last year, and boy, those go by so quickly. But four nights is – is pretty good, especially if you do it over a weekend, because it just, you know, it, it flows pretty well. Obviously, I would prefer to have seven nights, but it was a good enough escape. You know what I mean? Like, it, it served its purpose of, I got on a cruise ship, I got away just long enough to forget all my troubles from home, and I really didn't think about work or what I'd be doing if I was home. You know, I, it was that mentally it served the, its purpose. And when you get past day four anyway, day five, day six, day seven, those are wonderful days to have, but not mission critical. I think day, you know, day one, two, and three, you know, it, it's a little bit different. Having that fourth day just changed the dynamic of it a little bit more. So I really did enjoy that quite a bit. And quite frankly, I could see myself doing more four night cruises provided they went over over the weekend. And provided it made sense from a vacation standpoint. And it's a great way to also to, you know, make your vacation time last longer if you have an opportunity to do so. If you're one of those people who says, you know, Matt, how do I cruise more often? Take advantage of built-in days off, you know. Seven-night cruises are wonderful. I love seven-night cruises. But they obviously take more vacation time. But if you can take one that goes on a Thursday to a, to a Monday, it's a little bit easier to handle. So, you know, lesson learned and a new experience in and of itself. And again, I love Independence. It's a great ship. 
I personally can't wait to see what the ref- what the changes are going to be on Independence of the Seas as a result of its refurbishment in April 2018. That, to me, is the most exciting because I was on board the ship and I said, man, this is a great ship. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it because having seen what they've done to Freedom of the Seas and Liberty of the Seas recently with its refurbishments, I think it's going to breathe so much new life in it, into Independence of the Seas. It's going to make it such a compelling option. And whether you're taking Independence in Europe or in South Florida, it's going to be a really fun time. And I... I, I got to be honest with you. Now I'm looking at new ways I can get back on board, you know, for a four night sailing on Independence again. All right, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast where I read whatever you guys send me about questions, comments about Royal Caribbean cruises, and I read them right over here. So if you have something you want to talk about, please feel free to send me an email, Matt M A T T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And our first email this week comes to us from Catherine. It says, firstly, I want to thank you for your very informative podcast. I'm from Australia, and I've just started listening to your podcast about a fortnight ago. I have been binge listening prior to my first cruise ever in November 2017, a few weeks away, on Explorer the Seas for 10 nights from Sydney, Australia, to the South Pacific Islands. I've traveled to the South Pacific Islands previously, but never cruised there. I have found your podcast very informative and incredibly soothing to my inner obsessive travel planner self. <laughs> We're traveling with friends and their kids who have cruised before and prefer Royal Caribbean. We'll be taking our two children who are four and near early too. I'm a little nervous after our last overseas trip a year ago, which was disastrous. Both kids were difficult on the planes, and then the one-year-old ended up with chicken pox, and we had stuck in Fiji for an extra four days. I'm aware that Explorer of the Seas does not allow children under three into the kids' club, and they do not have a nursery on board. Other than using the babysitting service, do you have any suggestions for traveling small children and what we can do to amuse the little ones? Also, our friends are Crown and Anchor members, and we are traveling to the port with them. Will we be able to do priority boarding with them? We've joined the Crown and Anchor Society, but we've never traveled yet. I'm not expecting any benefits from this yet. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. Catherine, great question. So let's start with the kids one. That's a tough one because you Explorer, as you mentioned, does not have a nursery yet. That would have been the go-to answer on pretty much every other ship in the fleet. But that is kind of an issue there. So I've been in there, Catherine, and you may have heard earlier in this episode me talk about or allude to issues with my kids. And kids are a really – young children are, are a tough – complexity to cruising. That being said, I still bring them every single time, and I recommend you do bring your children with you, no matter how young they are, even six months old. Bring them on board a cruise because it's a great, positive family experience. The key is, the real key is to understand that when you're cruising with young kids, you cannot cruise the same way that you cruise when you're just with adults. This took me a lot of time to figure out, and I still struggle with it a little bit. As an example, embarkation day. Now, I talked about this earlier in the episode, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Usually our Independence Day or Independence Day, our, our embarkation day plan is very simple. We would get on board the ship, go to the Windjamer, uh, start you know take the spa tour, uh, walk around the ship, see the public areas, go to our stateroom, go to a bar. You know, these, these were the kind of things that we would do as adults, and we did it for many many years. But with kids, that backfires very quickly. They could not care less about the spa tour. They don't want to just walk around the ship aimlessly. To them, it's extremely boring. And extremely boring breeds, you know, being a pain in the, you know, in you know where. <laughs> they get really annoyed and frustrated. And so they act out because they're bored and frustrated. And so with this cruise, we said, okay, we need to change this because we're sick of having really bad embarkation days. And as a result, we said, okay, we're going to get on board the ship. We're still going to eat because that's an important factor. But then we went straight to the pool. And we skipped all these things we usually do on board. Even though it was our first time on Independence, we said, we are going to go sit by the pool and let them do what they want to do for fun. And we kind of explained to them, said, look, we're doing this for you. We know you want to go swimming. So, you know, we're going to go swimming now. And, you know, later on, you have to understand that there's some other things that we're going to want to do. And that worked out pretty darn well. 
Um, so definitely catering part of your day and taking time to make sure that your kids have things to do, I think is really important. Now, with your kids not having the nursery, you've got less of a, a fallback. First of all, check the cruise compass for activities. We were on Jewel this season a number of years ago before it had a nursery. And there were events, activities, I should say, where there was like open toy play, where the Adventure Ocean Staff has toys for young children. And they'll set up a spot, usually like in the teen club or somewhere. And on Jewel, it ended up being at one of the the, um, the Viking Crown Lounge. They set up a a area for the kids to play. But anyway, it was an open play time. And, you know, it requires parents to supervise them. But that's an opportunity. Number two, pack a lot of things for them to do. Activities. I was just coloring books are really good in crayons. That's awesome. Bring, you know, Legos or Duplos, you know, those, those building blocks. Bring toys that are easily, they can easily play with. Uh, my wife brought it on this trip. We brought Barbie dolls for the girls. And they love doing that because the Barbie dolls can go into the into the pool. Uh, not Royal Caribbean pool, but when we were in Nachi Coco and Cosmel. They go the ocean because they can be thrown away. They're cheapo ones. You buy them, you know, in, in the store. But they can they can play with them in the room. Just bring enough toys. Like I'm talking, like you know, two to three toys a kid to kind of keep them occupied. Bring the, the coloring books and the activity books are really good for restaurants. If you're in the main dining room or anywhere, you know, you need to. You know, it's it's more. It's going to be longer than maybe just a trip to the buffet. Then you're going to want to bring those kind of activity books for you. So definitely uh, do that there. For shore excursions and what you're doing in these islands, you definitely want to obviously cater what you're doing towards the kids. And you know, we've done a lot of tours. I would not recommend a group tour. Group tours tend to move way too slow for them. I don't think it's a good idea. Do a lot. Of, I would definitely do it on your own private tours, whether you're hiring a a car service for the you know some sort of driver to take you around, or you're just booking a resort pass. You know, going to a day pass, but. You know, going to a pool is usually the best option for our kids anyway. It's not that the beach ever is a bad thing, but you know how it is with the... I mean, the beach is the sand. They get uncomfortable. Depending on... The, the primary issue is the surf, right? Because if the waves are bigger than a couple of inches, it knocks them around too much. They really can't, quote-unquote, swim. So they're not interested in that as much. The pool works a whole lot better. So maybe highlight places that have pools. That might be a good way to go about it. So... That's at least some, some options there. And, Catherine, I would recommend you check out a, uh, a great website, a great resource for people that are traveling with families, with kids, called momsoftheseas.com. I'll post a link on our show notes at royalcreamblog.com, Catherine. Of course, full disclosure, my wife runs that site. And she does a great job answering questions. And you can read some past questions about cruising with kids. I think you'd love that resource. Now, your other question is about Crown and Anchor Society members. I've tried this actually in the past. So we are Diamond members, but like my parents were not or something like that. Or we had friends who were not. It really boils down to how strict the the people are in the terminal. Technically, the answer is no. You're not allowed to do that. I have had some luck in the past of... You know, I walk in front. Oh, hi. Here's my CPAS card. You know, we're Diamond. They look at it. Okay, yeah, this is my whole group. And they'll just kind of, so they'll walk behind us. But in other times, I remember this was on Freedom of the Seas in Terminal 1 in, in, in Port Canaveral. They didn't let that, that strategy did not work. And they checked everybody's CPAS and saw that some people were not Diamond. And they directed those people to the other place. So um, it the answer is it probably not. The only situation that might be different is if you're staying in a suite. But so I guess my advice, Catherine, is expect not to be able to board with them. And if it, you can, if they let you sit with them, that's just, you know, even better. So thank you for the email. I do appreciate that. And our next email comes to us from Kelly, who writes, Matt, I'm going on my first cruise in January on Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas. I was wondering if you could tell me. Number one, I am getting the photo package. I was wondering, do you know how many pictures do they take? And number two, how far in advance can I book a show? I keep logging to my account. I do not see where I can add a show to my activity calendar anywhere. I'd appreciate any insight. So uh, first of all, how uh, getting photos. 
how many photos they take is up to you. There are photo opportunities every night in the centrum area of the ship, which is the uh, kind of off-the-rail promenade. There'll be a lot of different photo opportunities, different photo spots. Uh, I would say there's at least four to six spots every evening for you to take photos, but it's up to you to actually go there. Second of all, when you're in port, you do have photo opportunities there. There's usually people right, right as you get off the gangway, take photos. There's also a photo opportunity when you board the ship on vacation day. But again, with all photo opportunities, there's also going to be photo opportunities in the main dining room and especially restaurants, especially on formal night. They have roving photographers that go there. But again, it's up to you how many photos you're actually going to take. I know you're kind of trying to figure out, is the photo package worth it to you? It depends how many photos you're going to take. I mean, I saw, you know, if you take a lot of photos, you go to every single one every single night, you know, and you take group photos, you take couples, you take ones that just the kids, it can definitely work itself out there. Um, you know, it's it's really up to you, though, to be kind of proactive about it and getting yourself out there and, and taking a lot of these photos. So um, I hope that kind of answers your question there. Also, uh, in terms of booking your shows, you cannot book shows for uh, shows on Independence of the Seas. The only class ships you can book entertainment in advance uh, for, like, shows like Greece or what have you would be on Quantum class ships and Oasis class ships. But Independence of the Seas is a Freedom class ship, and you cannot. Now, I did mention earlier, and this is true, Kelly, that they do sometimes offer tickets, but that's available on board the ship. So you'll see it in the cruise compass. They'll make an announcement or maybe once or twice, but you have to go get the tickets. The reason why they don't offer tickets or, or booking it in advance, quite honestly, because it's not necessary. You The, the first-come, first-serve policy usually works. And in my experience, if you show up, 10, 15 minutes early, you're going to beat most of the crowd there anyway. So my advice would be, don't worry about it is what I'm trying to say. I think you'll be fine on there. You're going to have a great time, Kelly. So hopefully that answers your question. Very good timing, though, with this week's episode. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Bill Carney, who writes, On a recent podcast, you asked for feedback regarding the drink package changes. My thoughts, it was good while it lasted. You mentioned that all adults on the cabin have to buy a drink package if they choose the package. What about instances like mine where on many cruises we book two cabins? While in actuality the kids have their own cabin and we say in the other, Royal Caribbean's rules would make us book with an adult in each room. Does that mean I can get the drink package and I don't have to get one for my wife she's, since she is on paper on another reservation? Haven't found a loophole. Will Royal Caribbean's version of the IRS come audit me on this cruise? Bill, great question. The answer is... Nope, you're all good. Actually, that works itself out. That's another benefit of booking two rooms. If on paper, you're in one room, your wife is in another one, which is exactly how I set mine up, because you're right, Bill. When you book reservations, you can't have two kids in a room. You need an adult, or at least one adult in the room, technically. So um, in that situation, you'd be okay, because there is not another adult staying in your room on paper. They, I mean, where you actually end up sleeping is <laughs> totally up to you, but, you know, that's... You, you're, you, that is a very valid loophole. Of course, you're paying for two different rooms, so you know uh, you're paying potentially more than just one room. But it's uh, it's an it's an added benefit of having kids. So thank your children for you, Bill. And we have time for one more email, and I think we'll go with this email from David in Allen Park, Michigan. I've been listening to your show for a while now and finally booked my very first cruise, a seven-night Bahamas cruise on Adventure of the Seas, departing June 8th, 2018 at a New Jersey. When I first booked the room, it was the BOGO deal for around $2,700 for an interior room. Yesterday, I heard from your blog about the new double-up deal and gave my kids the option to kids sale free. Now my price is $2,100. The interesting thing was that the travel agent said I could upgrade to an ocean view room for only $65 more. But I wanted to talk to my family about it first. So we talked about it and decided we wanted to upgrade. But when I called the travel agent, he said the price is now $147 more. Basically, the same price I see on the website for an Ocean View room. I assume I should have taken the deal when they offered it yesterday. When do they offer these type of upgrade deals for me in the future? Only when I call to make a change in my booking. 
Good question, David. The answer is there is no answer. It totally depends. It's just like this happens in airfare, and I often describe, you know, the pricing of a Royal Caribbean cruise in terms of your stateroom is more like airfare than it is buying jeans at the Gap. Um, pricing changes literally can change any minute, and it often does. An example is here. So one of the in a situation like this. There, the only way you could take advantage of it was to literally call in. Is it cheap? You know, what's the price now? What's the price now? What's the price now? What's the price now? And then if you, the price is okay, you jump on it. Then because it can change, um, I've seen it where literally when one room is canceled, you know, the price drops. Uh, but if someone books another room, the price goes up. It, it can be as fickle as that. There is no rhyme or reason to it other than just pure supply and demand. And of course, the logistics on Royal Caribbean's end in terms of how they how they position their pricing, but. The bottom line is there is no way to know if a cheaper upgrade is available. It's just up to you. In in my experience, it's really just, you know, either me and my wife logging onto the website and just kind of, you know, when we're bored, maybe we're, you know, it's our lunch break or something like that. We're kind of, you know, browsing to see how much is it now, just out of curiosity to see if there's a price drop. I mostly check, you know, when there are new sales, see if anything has affected that. But there's no way to definitively know. Uh, before calling or before checking on the website, my advice is check on the website first because you know, just I think it's a little bit faster than calling up. But that's there's there's really no way to have known that you know the Ocean View upgrade would have been sixty five dollars more uh, versus one hundred and forty seven dollars more. You know, that being said, if it's one hundred forty seven dollars total for a seven night cruise, I would totally jump on that. I mean, sixty five is a better deal. I agree with you, but one forty seven total is not bad. If it's one forty seven per person. Or per night, yeah, that's a whole different issue. But 147 total is still pretty good. I mean, I mean that's break. You know, the breakdown over seven nights is nothing really, especially per, per person. So um, if it makes you feel any better. Hey, I don't know that option is still available to you, but you know, it's it's one of those things, right? It's you knew it was 65, so no matter even if it was 67 dollars more, you'd be like, ah, why couldn't it be 65? I've been there. I do that all the time to myself, but. You know what? The bottom line is, Dave, it makes you feel any better. You're still having an awesome time in the room that you booked. $2,100 is a great price for your room. You should uh, take solace in the fact you'll have a great time no matter which kind of category you stay in. And, you know, it's all, I always tell people the same thing. You know, if you're if you're staying in a small in a, in a lower category room, like an inside room, how much time are you really going to spend in your room, right? You're, you're, you're going to be sleeping and showering. Otherwise, you're out and about. It really doesn't matter. If you're staying in a nicer room, you're staying in a balcony, you're staying in a suite, well, you'll obviously make time for that. And you'll kind of force yourself to stay there and spend more time there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's what you make of it. How about that? So you're going to have a great time on there. And thank you, David. Thank you to everybody for uh, listening to this week's episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. Again, I want your emails as well about Royal Korean. Send me an email, Matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon.